Welcome to Underneath It All, a podcast focused on having relatable conversations around mental health. My name is Griselle, and on this season of the podcast, our conversations are centered around the Enneagram, a motivational personality framework that's based on nine core motivations or types that's super helpful for self-awareness. To assist you and support you on this self-awareness journey, I created a workbook that you can purchase for just $10 that allows you the space to reflect on each episode in order for you to have a better understanding of yourself. This week's prompts are focused on understanding and leaning into your strengths of each type. Many of us, when we're first discovering the Enneagram, we get carried away by all of the negative things and focus on what hurts the most to read, which is fair since that's kind of how you figure out what type you are. However, it's just as important to see the positives of each type, especially your own type, which is why I'm stoked that these prompts align perfectly with the type that we're going to be exploring a little bit more today. Type 3, the perfectionist. The first person that we're going to be hearing from is, you guessed it, Steph. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm pretty sure Steph has been mentioned in every episode this season. But if this is your first episode of this season, let me catch you up real quick. Stay with me. So, Steph Baron Hall is a certified Enneagram coach, author, podcast host, speaker, and I got the chance to talk to her and pick her brain about the ins and outs of this resource and how it's impacted her life as well as the lives of her clients. Because Steph is a three, I got to ask her some more personal questions about the struggles of being a three, as well as things that she has learned about being a three. So let's do it. What has been the most powerful lesson that you have personally learned by using this tool? I don't think I ever saw, or and I don't think I had the ability to ever see how much my life and like my brain and the way that I operate is driven by how other people will perceive it. Proud of you for saying that. That's a very hard thing to say out loud, I think. Well, and I think, I think three's get a lot of shit for it, honestly. I will never forget this. This makes me so mad to this day. But somebody who like runs a reposting account reposted my stuff and was like, well, you should be grateful. And I was like, "Eh, I'm not really grateful because you're taking my work that I worked on hard on and you are just like posting it and just getting followers for that. And he's like, of course you want credit because you're a three. And I was like, this is the fucking problem. This this is is the the problem. What was really hard for me in that moment was the sense that I had of like the awareness that I have that people know I'm a three And understanding that anything I do is going to be processed through that lens means that a lot of the time when people steal my work, I just let it happen because I don't want to deal with that moment of somebody saying, oh, you're a three. So, so you, of course you want credit. And I think that was, that made me so frustrated because I was like, actually I'm standing up for myself this time and not letting people just railroad me because of that, you know? Because of that image piece and, and the perception piece for so long, I would just let it happen to me instead of actually saying, no, no, this is the same as if you like went and copied a whole book and posted it online. Like you can't do that. Like that's just, that's plagiarism. And so that can be really upsetting, I think. And as I've learned more about that, because, and I think in that scenario, obviously I was very indignant and I think, so that's, 
like a, a fine space for that, I think, to come out. But it's been a real process of learning to have self-compassion and self-acceptance in the face of hating that image-conscious part of myself and being able to look back from like elementary school and to see, oh, this little three, these are the things she cared about. She always was aware of what everyone was wearing. She picked out her outfit and then she went to school and nobody else was wearing that, so she hated it. I can see the awareness of social dynamics. Like I can see, because I'm a social subtype, so I can see like how even then I was like, these are the power dynamics at play. This is how the group is functioning. This is how you become an important person in this group. And people, I think, would think that it would be really easy for a social three to be at the helm of a big Instagram account. But my experience is that I hate it. And for so long, I wanted to be anonymous because there's such an awareness of people's judgment and the vitriol sometimes too, which is just part of it. Um, and they're obviously amazing and kind people too, but you don't remember those. <laughs> we never do. <laughs> One of the things that I see that frustrates me so much when just being online with the Enneagram is that when people do over-identify with their type, they think, well, I'm not a three, so I couldn't possibly be using people for my own personal gain. I couldn't possibly be just competing with others and trying to cut them down so I can win, which they're, and they're like, those are things only threes do. Okay. Some threes do that when they're very unhealthy that I wouldn't say that those are all threes do those things, but people start to say, well, I'm not a three, so I can't do that. Right. And so just to bring it back personally for my own life, um, I mean, a big thing for me is actually holding myself accountable to what I say I'm going to do for myself, right? Like saying like, oh no, I'm going to do this because I'm worth it. Like I'm, and because like I, and, and people would think that threes wouldn't have an issue with that, right? People think threes are always highly productive and like always just chasing success. And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't resonate with that experience. I resonate with the experience of finding worth in the image that I project to others and to myself, but I don't identify with the so many of the other three traits that are like, just climbing the corporate ladder. <laughs> Here I go. How has learning the Enneagram helped you navigate your own mental health? I think a big thing for me has been learning self-acceptance and self-compassion. When I first learned my type, I literally was like, oh, can this please be different? Like, can this please not be my type? I think learning that has been a continual process, like where it's like ever circling, you know, where it's like learning more and more. I also think just a big thing for mental health for me is how I push myself really hard in a lot of ways. And really wanting to motivate yourself maybe can be fine, but in certain ways, <laughs> but not in other ways. Um, and I think that I just have that tendency to just have like such high expectations for myself that that are, would be truly impossible for anyone to meet and like not really knowing what to do about it. Like that can be really challenging. For example, I'm in a place now where I have literally, and I just talked about this on Instagram recently, but I've literally written and designed everything I've ever posted on my Instagram, unless it specifically says it's a collaboration with somebody else, right? Well, that's a lot. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And then like last year, I, I created a course because I really wanted people to have this information and it to be accessible to them so that they don't have to read a bazillion books to get it, right? But it was like 50,000 words. 
that's too much. And now I'm at this place where I'm like, okay, for my own mental health, how do I actually move forward with this? And then, you know, 2020 was a big year for all of us, right? So 2019, I started, was when I started being self-employed. And a few months into that, I was like, I think something's up here. And then actually officially, officially from like a psychologist last year, got diagnosed with ADHD. So, and I think so many women right now are going through that process. And you're like, oh my God, how did I get a master's degree with ADHD completely untreated? Just that entire process of learning about that, the acceptance of it, the anger about it, like all of these different things. And just tack onto that some depression, some anxiety disorder, you know, a little sprinkle sprinkle of everything. I think for me, what's been most helpful is actually one, learning to evaluate. This again goes back to how I look at things a little bit differently. If anyone is familiar with Beatrice Chestnut's other work or Chestnut Pies, their, their work, this will sound familiar, but the way that I use the arrows is we, when we're just unconscious, not unconscious, but like when we're moving unconsciously through our life, we can tap into the lower side of both arrows, right? And then when we're moving consciously, we can tap into the higher side, but there's one that we need to kind of develop first. And so for me, I started recognizing, oh, like this dread and anxiety that I'm feeling, this is because six months ago when I planned what I'm doing today, I didn't listen to my feelings. I looked at some numbers and I was like, yeah, that sounds good. I want that money. Like, let's do it. Instead of saying like, oh, actually, this is not aligned. Actually, this is not practical. Or like, maybe this is aligned or this is practical, but it's just not the right time. And so pulling up those type six qualities for me and really deeply evaluating and then also getting in touch with my emotions and saying, because I think sixes typically they can say, hey, what's what's going on inside here? They're pretty good at that a lot of the time. And so learning that skill and to know, oh, I'm in the heart center. So my emotions have a lot to share if I'll listen. Those things have been super helpful to navigate and like live a life that I want to live, not one that I have to live because I am self-employed. Anyway, so just really understanding those things and and trying to lean into the feels more and, and all that stuff is really helpful. You said something important about understanding the unconscious, conscious parts of yourself. What I heard you say was that it kind of opened that door for you to experience more to who you are than just like the unconscious part that kind of is just like floating and doing things. And I feel like with therapy, with medication, with all of it, you know, like people, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? It's like, man, if there was a specific answer for that question, you know, that would probably be great. But I feel like the answer that I constantly am giving is timing. Is this the right time for you to approach the Enneagram, right? Like you said that too, because it can bring up a lot of things, (laughs) a lot of like pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of things that you have to be able to struggle through. And if you feel like you aren't ready for that, like what can you do to like put yourself in a position to support yourself so that you can have that space? I didn't have that, this space to, to explore this until I had a, a stable living situation. Like, and like stable wasn't necessarily like I wasn't, I needed to stay in one literally physical location. Like I needed one physical place to be staying without traveling or whatever, because that stimulates me too much. So Am I in the right place for it? Do I have 
the right support that if something does come up that I have like someone to talk to or to, you know, process this with. And then I don't know, like there's so many different aspects to it, but I would just say like, I want to encourage folks to just, you can also set yourself up for success in the sense of like, okay, what can you do to surround yourself so that you are able to receive a lot of this information without it just kind of either in through one ear out the other is that the phrase <laughs> um, and also being able to grow to be able to grow with it instead of it just being an identifier yeah and i think too we i mean we can be very impatient but like getting curious and taking it slower like yeah maybe three years ago four years ago i would have wanted to be like i am gonna go develop some high side of six qualities and here I go and like strutting away to do that. And it would have meant nothing because I wasn't there yet. And so being able to say like, okay, well, the first thing you can do is stretch into your wings a little bit. And people are like, well, I can't do that because those are, when I take a test, those are the lowest scores. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Just try it. Just try to stretch into them just a little bit. That's, that's where you can start. You don't have to like go for the big guns right away. And I think it's what is actually really difficult about it is that it is so simple. The people are like, well, what do I do? I'm like, just, just start to reflect. And once you get good at reflecting, start to observe, which is different from reflecting and that reflecting is now looking over the past and observing is in the present. Right. And then once you do that, start to like add a little pause when you notice yourself, like, I'm like, it's not really that big of a deal in terms of, you need to read a bazillion books to get there, but it's actually really, really difficult to do. The Enneagram in general has been very empowering. It's been like shit, but like also like very empowering. I have control over my thoughts. <laughs> I have control over what I do with this thought, you know, or even what I do with this feeling because we're so trained. We're so, so, so trained. And this framework helps you challenge all of those behaviors. I think it's just so profound. And then you have that part that's like, but I want to be the victim today. And it's like, okay, well, let's go. Let's go inside. <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel like I'm trying to understand that about myself right now. Cause you know, I love being the victim and I did what you said, like catapult of uh, the other way. I'm like, I'm not fine. Um, and now I've been like more in that, that middle space of just, okay, like I want to like honor that part of myself because I know I'm very emotional and learning how to like accept the victim that is still hurting and the inner child work of what's going on without projecting it onto other people around me, which has been really powerful. It's just a trip. And I think that's like, it's so funny to me sometimes because people when they're like, oh, I can't figure out my type. I think I'm an either an eight or a two. I think I'm just like a really, really, really healthy eight. I'm like, let, let me just tell you something. I don't think I've ever met <laughs> like people who I, you know, are almost like guru status in the Enneagram world that you, you meet and you talk with. They're like, oh, there I go again. You know, there, there's my, uh, you know, self-deceit there's my avarice popping up you know like the, the passions and they, they just notice them that's the thing it's just noticing it more it's not like you don't even change it you don't even become like this incredibly healthy like fixed and 
solved and changed person. It's like just noticing it and then being with it. I, I don't know. It's just. I love. No, no, no. You do know. You definitely know because that is the truth. It really is. But that's what's so, that's such a mind fuck. It's too simple sometimes. And I think we want to complicate things. I, I definitely want to complicate things a lot more than, than it, than it is, but really just being able to bring awareness to it and acknowledge it and share space with it. Well, yeah. And I think the goal is to be healthy. The goal is to be the healthiest three I can be. Just being as I am and being with that. And accepting that, man. That's that. I mean, isn't that like radical self-acceptance? And, that, and I feel like that is happiness when you're able to sit with yourself more. One and two, when you get into the Enneagram, what you learn is that it's not actually changing who you are. It's returning to your essence of who you're supposed to be, right? So it's taking off the personality mask, all the coping mechanisms that you've needed, the personality structures and patterns that you've needed to get through life, removing those, taking those off, um, not forcefully, gently over time, over many years, <laughs> noticing when you pick them back up and putting them aside and like returning to the essence of who you truly are. And I just think that's not that sexy <laughs> to be that in that space. I actually think for me anyway, there's a lot of fear. Like, will I actually ever get anything done again? You know? I saw this thing on Instagram today and I feel like I've just been like, how do I make mental health sexy? How do I make mental health sexy? Because I'm like, what I see is not it. And I just, it sometimes can feel really defeating, you know? Like, I just am like, I don't, is it even possible to make it look approachable and desirable? And because it really isn't, because it's, it's really hard to market. <laughs> Drinking water, journaling, being nice to yourself. Do you see how cool I look as I'm drinking some water right now? Yeah. It's like not buying those bath bombs. Maybe self-care today is paying your bills. <laughs> I want to give you credit because I feel like you have done a good job of making it approachable to other people. The fact that it is alluring to people and like that is your gift. I don't know about you, but I sometimes struggle to share things that I've accomplished because I'm fearful that it can come across as braggy or boastful or prideful. But after getting to know Faye, who you guys are about to meet, it helped me have the courage to want to talk about things that I'm proud of because of how Faye talked about it. I had a friend tell me about it. And I immediately did it because I like that kind of stuff. I just like knowing more about myself. And then also I was getting into a more social life than I usually do. So I just felt more socially awkward. And so reading about the other Enneagrams really helped me see from other perspectives that I wasn't seeing just because I wasn't involved. And it has helped. I love learning my friends' Enneagrams and also just learning how there are other ways to do things too. It's so fascinating to like figure out that there are other ways to process things. I feel like that's like my favorite part about it is like, wow, we're just like so different. <laughs> what was it like figuring that out for you that you were a three? Uh, it was kind of, it hit home. Although usually, usually I think if you're reading about your Enneagram, uh, it will hit home for you because it's just the most truth that you'll probably hear about yourself. And so... Did you have like an emotional response? I think the lesson was to be more compassionate to myself. 
and give myself more space. As a three, why do you feel like you have to remind yourself of truth? I don't know. I get really motivated and I want to add value to my what I do, but I'm very hard on myself. And so having just little reminders like my dinosaur prints are to remind me to leave an impact that will last two million years or whatever, you know, like I like mantras too. So it's easy for my brain to like pull out these little reminders if I have something physically in front of me. It's so interesting because I've met threes in the past and I always feel like, wow, that's like a three vibe, but you did not give me that at all because I feel like threes usually have like a, a force of energy that's like, and it's like that highly motivational. Would you say that you used to have that kind of like energy and that's not there or do you feel like you're you hide your that kind of energy or that's why when we were talking earlier and I said I was starting to like wing four that's where I've calmed down a lot and I've been more compassionate to myself because Mm. I've been more creative and outgoing and stuff. I just changed the way I live my life but I I went into school to actually be a teacher and my parents found that valuable and that's what like as soon as I made a decision they like pushed me in that direction full force like no other options whatever like they were just praised me for it so the next thing I did was social work and they praised me for that and like I didn't ever take time to step back and remember that I went to school for art originally I had been doing things because I thought other people saw it as valuable so I guess in my 20s I really relied on those feelings I got from the people Mm. around me yeah did you grow up that way I hope my mom never listens to this, but my I uh, I felt I've never talked to her about this. We don't really talk very much, which was a whole other thing. <laughs> but I felt kind of ignored starting in high school. I'm the oldest of t- three sisters, so I have two younger ones, and one's ten years younger than me. So like she was really young when I was, you know, starting to be a preteen and everything. They both did a color garden. I did competitive, like really competitive tennis, and so we just spent our time in different places. They never came to one match. They came to one match for like ten minutes, but I already played. Oh yeah, like anytime they agree with me on something, I just like held on to it, and that's what I went for. And I feel like that's where my three side really came out. I resonate with that a lot, like that feeling ignored and wanting to feel loved for who you are, but like not getting that attention with your authentic self. And so they were very supportive of my creative side, which is also why I went to school for art. But I also really liked doing it. But to please them, I think getting a job that would actually hold me for my life. And I only taught for six months and I quit. And I moved across the country and traveled in my car for six months. So... (laughs) So where do you think that, like, your people-pleasing self really evolved? Honestly, my people-pleasing side of me evolved in religion. Always being good, always doing what you're told to do. I had a very traumatic car accident. Um, I shouldn't have been alive. And in the reflection of that, in the couple years after, I stepped largely away from religion, like a very large step back, and then started questioning more of the spirituality sides. Um, I had... Not a vision, but I heard something, and I don't want to really share that right now, but in my car accident, like in my head, and it made me realize there's something bigger out there than what I was being brought up as, and then I kind of became a little harder. What do you mean harder? Like, I I didn't please people. Like, I made sure that I was taking care of myself really well before I took on something that I knew I couldn't take on, because I was like, I was also healing a lot in that time period. 
the Christianity I grew up in held women back a lot. And I think I really held on to like being way stronger than what I was brought up to be and like trying more. You had this like upbringing, which is very much like, I, w I don't want to say like fake it, but like you couldn't be your fullest, fullest self. You can be your truest self because of the church. I don't know if every family is like this in the church, but it's more of like to do for show. Like you go to church yeah. for show. It's yeah. not... I mean, maybe they have this higher connection to something, but we don't ever talk about things either. Uh, okay. Like, my family does not talk about feelings. I was never, like, actually asked how I was or if something was wrong. I remember one time my best friend started dating my ex-boyfriend, and I wanted to be back together with him and my mom, and I had, like, a semi-serious talk about it. That's literally it, though. So that probably also just continued to like uplift the people pleasing part of you too right because it's like hard conversations don't exist yeah that's, I think that's why I would say I've grown the most in the last couple of years after my 30s it's just I've taken more time not to people please but to step back and see how I get along with people better and have more intention behind my people pleasing yeah. I will please the fuck out of people though like our events and stuff like I'm always doing something for somebody I'm never standing still but that comes from a different place than like doing it because you're expected to I feel like that's such the defining factor for threes too right is like the intention behind it would you d describe like the difference between like a healthy people pleasing and then like an unhealthy people pleasing for you people pleasing I guess to make other people happy which is very simple sounding but i i am very aware of people's energies towards me in particular if i'm not making you happy it really bottles me up now because i like we were talking earlier i haven't learned how to have conversations that are real like that and i try like i do have my friends that i do have these conversations yeah. with but if you haven't tried to get close to me i will people please in a way that like keeps you happy but i won't ever have an intention behind it because i don't really know what's going on between us I can feel my three wing. You want to be kind to someone no matter what, right? Because everyone deserves that kind of kindness and compassion. I think that's something that I had to kind of come to terms with as I was like identifying my three wing. I'm so ashamed of this part of myself that like wants to be liked and wants to be wanted and wants to be seen. But isn't that what every fucking person wants? And like, isn't that such a normal thing to desire? And it's been such a honestly a really powerful experience for me to honor that part of myself and not like shame it and like the same way that I value other people's individuality I should be able to do that for myself and honor that in a lot of spaces because I, I try to find a lot of value in myself I also found myself finding a lot of value in other people it's very easy for me to see it in other people which kind of brings on the negative side towards yourself a little bit at least for me like oh this person's doing like so good and they're so amazing and I appreciate them yeah. and then I think about it more and yeah. sometimes it's like hard for me to live up to that in a way I've really taught myself not to compare in the last like year and it's mostly I if I ever think anything negative I always make myself think something positive it's just like ending on that positive note you're comparing yourself to somebody and then you're like, wait a second, the negative doesn't exist alone. The positive is there because of the negative. It's important to do. I need to do that more often, honestly. So where do you go into disintegration? When I feel at my worst, I also am not, as, not acting on the motivation that I have. What is your motivation? Just like creating and doing things that I like to do. It's so hard for me to just let myself do the things I like to do. 
instead of like, okay, actually I should spend a day in my passion planner, like looking over things, planning out, you know, and not just getting up and creating. That's why I've actually taken the next like two, well, it's been, it'll be two months, but like another month off from like having a job is just to like actually see if I can dive in my creative side without holding myself back. Like doing it from like authenticity. Yes, exactly. Being more authentic and not creating for anyone but myself basically because I don't really do that I do I like showing my creations and I like letting people see them because I, I think they're fun and like I do them to help people too I was the least mindful in life was whenever I was a social worker and I was just like going through the motions I feel like that was like my lowest point I didn't fall apart but I wasn't doing like I got married and I knew in the car right there that I shouldn't be going to get married, but it was what I already signed up to do and had all these people coming and like, you know, all these things. I just wasn't making decisions that were best for myself. When I slowed down and moved to Moab, that's when I started seeing the change in myself. And actually, once I saw it, it was very motivating to then act and it just snowballed. And so now I'm doing actually pretty good. <laughs> How has learning boundaries helped your growth as a three. It's actually led to me taking more time for myself, which has snowballed into my art and just pursuing that. Again, making that like part of yourself where you're, you're motivated and like you're, that you, you care about how others perceive you as such a negative thing. But it's like, if we didn't have that, so many people wouldn't feel seen. And without feeling seen, you can't heal trauma, can't connect with others when you don't feel seen. Like that is such an important role. That was my time in Seattle, my 20s. I, I didn't feel seen and I very much had a hard time connecting with people because of it. In my 20s, I never got to heal from my trauma. I, I spent from the when I'm in a car accident when I was 21 till I was 30 years old not healing any trauma that I went through. And I went through my car accident with my mother and everyone was fine. It was just really scary and she wasn't conscious like kind of thing. And uh, then abusive relationship after that for two and a half years. And then I went straight into social work and running a teen shelter. So like I, I just never, back to back to back. and I didn't realize I I didn't realize this until like in the last six months. I was, I sat back and I was like, wait a second, you never healed. You didn't heal for nine years. You didn't heal at all. Like, of course you're going to like struggle getting there. Like you're just new at this now. And so yeah. I've grown a lot. Your drive to be the best that you can be and the fact that like you didn't feel like seen made it probably very difficult to like take the time for yourself that you deserve if you don't feel like you deserve it or like no one's showing you that you you deserve it by feeling seen and then the fact that your motivating factor is to make other people feel seen I can just only imagine how much of a it just seems like the intention is very good too it's like your intention is to like take care of other people and your intention is to help others but if you don't slow down it sounds like that's how the cycle continues Yes, and I didn't slow down. I went full force. That makes it even more special that you're doing this right now, that you're taking two months. Is it hard for you to slow down? I can't tell. My last job was serving and I burned out from it. And so now I'm really trying to lean into just 
not doing anything like work work and letting myself be creative so it's really hard to just like let myself be creative and my ADHD doesn't help because if I'm not focused then my creations like take longer I'm also healing physically right now so I'm it's been hard for me to remind myself of that and that I actually can't do as much as I want to do anyways so what was your wake-up call like when did you realize you needed to actually slow down when I met Ryan I turned to van life, so I had my converted ambulance with my husband. Um, it was mine, but he was living with me in it. And then I came to the desert and met all the desert people, all these skydivers living out in the in Willow Springs and everything. And I met Ryan and saw him across the fire, and we had like this moment of like we each knew that something was going to happen between us in the whenever, and we both talked about it. I saw these people having fun and I feel like I have never had fun. Like I've tried to have fun and I've put myself in situations, but I just had never been present enough and I hadn't been practicing enough to like actually be myself. How has the definition of success changed for you as you've gotten healthier? Probably going back to what makes me happy and making sure that's my top priority. I really realized in serving so social work you couldn't take it home with or you couldn't leave it at work you had to take it home with you like I was just constantly on call or whatever emergencies serving was opposite I could leave it there but because I could leave it there it made me less I was more detached from it and I was over it way quicker because I was able to detach I was able to see my happiness way easier and like that and find out that like it matters to me to be happy at the space that I'm working at and so I was able to quit it sooner than like I, I didn't stick with it for very long yeah you know? I'm trying to figure that out for myself truly like with this job I'm like I think I need balance like I think that that is what makes me happiest is like not overdoing any of the areas in my life and like and being true to my true to myself which means being true to like the things that I'm good at and not like ignoring all of them you know because I feel like I just jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing 100 percent and that's the ADHD for sure but like that doesn't feel yeah authentic and I think success is so especially in our society it looks good to complete things and to do all of the big big things and I'm like well I can fucking do all the fucking big things so I'll like complete this and I'll complete this and I have like all of the motivation and I have all of this fucking drive and it really when it comes down to it it really is happiness that makes being happy and being content with where I'm at and like how I'm spending my time and energy that is what I feel like I'm trying to figure out what success is or trying to feel out success but it's still really hard to like combat with all of the influences and like what people defining that for you or people telling you that you're good at one thing and like you know it's important to receive you know criticism and like but like what is what is the right criticism and it's just it's just hard to fucking figure out what success is like have you ever struggled with the confidence aspect of success I do, and I I don't like seem, seeming overconfident to other people, and I feel like sometimes mm. that can come across that way, but really what is going on is I'm just very excited to share with people, <laughs> like, what's going on. I would love if someone turned around and was like, I, okay, yeah, I'm so proud of you. I'm doing this, and they tell me the same thing and brag about themselves. Yeah. I always tell my people close around me, like, bragging is good.
you have something you want to like say you did that was good okay fucking say it like we'll say it together why are we ashamed of being proud of what we've done we see in like moving stuff being like to the cocky character and like how people hate them and stuff and that's kind of that's not true like if people want to hate you for being happy and proud about what you're doing and sharing it well that's them and that took me a while I guess to learn I'm learning where to put my energy and who to give my energy to because I guess that's where my people pleasing side struggles is I want people to like me and because I've been valuing my energy more I'm holding back the less I share it Yes. The more it matters to me, yeah. and then the more it matters to the person I'm sharing it with. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that I'm not t- saying stuff to someone who isn't going to give me that appreciation. How do you see yourself as opposed to how you believe others see you? I'm at a point, I said this the other day, I'm so grateful that I finally have hit a point where I like love myself and I appreciate myself and I know a little bit more about who I am and I'm I'm growing now for the right reasons and not just trying to like find quick fixes anymore you know I don't think very much about how other people see me like I don't actively think because I know I can go in a negative way since my 30s I tried to cut that out what is your favorite part about being a three I really like how I can take that drive that I had for all those other things in my life that kind of held me back and apply it easily to my life. The habits that I practiced, even though I was in bad place when I was practicing them, have carried over into how I, the recipe for how I do things. That's fucking cool, dude. I've never thought of it. Is it organization? Is it like just the Yeah, I just know that I can do anything because I've put myself in situations where I've had to do everything. I think the way my three brain works, it helps a lot. How to get along with me. Leave me alone when I'm doing my work. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Oh, yes. <laughs> so my studio is in the house and his, he has his own little yeah. mud shack studio. And he like if I ask him to leave, he's very good at respecting that and just going. I mean, he can go to distract himself anywhere. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. when I like need my space and we don't have a lot of space to share, he will respect my space and I very much appreciate it. Give me honest but not unduly critical or judgmental feedback. Yes. I my feelings get get hurt because I'll sit there and just harp on it, you know, like but it leads to better things because feeling those emotions like give you time to actually be in that body and everything and so you do learn to heal it over time yeah and i think threes also have actually a hard time allowing those feelings to exist i think for me it's the fear of not being understood and i since i don't like to talk about things and it's hard for me already like doing more work for that is intimidating don't burden me with negative emotions I like to say positive and maybe that's how I redirect myself but maybe that's not how someone else needs feedback I mean you're like you're wanting to do something about it like it's like and that's because you view life and time and energy is valuable so then that fucking makes sense to me okay okay threes at their best in a relationship value and accept their partners they're playful giving responsible and well regarded by others in the community threes at their worst in a relationship are preoccupied with work and projects they are self-absorbed, defensive, impatient, dishonest, and controlling. Yes. In general, I'm, very, I'm controlling in the sense that 
I can I get anxiety about things and the panic rises up and I you know I I need to just do whatever I need to do and get it done and if someone's standing in the way of that it's, I can get frustrated easily what's hard about being a three having to put up with inefficiency and incompetence yeah <laughs> <laughs> Putting on facades in order to impress people. I feel like I did a lot of that, but I also think a lot of it was masking, so I don't really know how to tell the difference in those situations. Yeah, that dissociation part can be kind of tricky. I feel that for sure. And that's like where mental health and the Enneagram, I feel like, can kind of help one another. Um, okay, typical thoughts of a three. I certainly hope I make a good impression. Why doesn't everyone work as hard as I do? That guy did a good job, but I can do better. I wish I hadn't taken on those 10 extra projects. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah overcommitment is a, is a thing for me, for sure. Things threes would never dream of doing. Not making a list of goals for an entire week. Yeah, no, I always have something going. Saying nothing about their accomplishments at their high school reunion. I mean, I probably would, but mostly because I don't think anyone's really done anything <laughs> from my high school. Also, like, what are you supposed to fucking talk about with these people? Like, okay, refraining from using the seductive eye technique on the person they're interested in. You said that in this. You were talking. You know how you said you you like met eyes with Ryan? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Faye, for sharing space with me, for being so honest, for motivating me and inspiring me to be confident in myself. I really just appreciated the amount of work that you were willing to share with us, and I just know that it's going to help so many other threes out there. So thank you for being you. Check out the show notes. It has all of the information about the workbook. It has information about the Patreon, which this coming Sunday, March 27th, we are going to be doing a live chat. And I'm really excited because these chats are not only to give you guys resources and more information, they're also a space that we can connect with one another and relate to one another as we are working on ourselves. I know that for me, connecting with other people who are also doing the work on themselves can really help motivate me and keep me accountable for the things that I really, really want in my life. Tune in next week where we get to learn more about the type four, the individualist. <laughs> that's, that's my type. As well as different practices, rituals, and routines that can help you grow into the best version of yourself. Lastly, another way you can support the show is by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's a fast and free way to support the show and it really makes a difference for others to find us. I really appreciate those of you who have gone out of their way to write. Um, I read them and it really helps me understand and it keeps me motivated to continue building this community of people who are working on themselves. Okay, bye!